0: Welcome to The Scientist Speaks, a podcast produced by the Scientist Creative Services team. Our podcast is by scientists and for scientists. Once a month, we bring you the stories behind newsworthy molecular biology research. Cell therapies treat and repair the body using stem cells or their derivatives. These cells possess great therapeutic potential, but their beneficial effects often fade away over time. In this episode, we explore strategies to improve the persistence of stem cell-derived cardiomyocytes in the effort to remuscularize hearts after cardiac infarction. Nikki Spahich from the Scientist Creative Services team spoke with Sarah Nunez Vasconcelos, an assistant professor at the Institute of Biomaterials and Biomedical Engineering, University of Toronto, and a scientist at the Toronto General Hospital Research Institute to learn more.
1: Every day, the human heart beats 100,000 times and pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood. Over the course of the day, the blood travels approximately 12,000 miles, from the top of the head to the tips of the toes and around again, thanks to the pumping action of the heart. When this journey is blocked, a heart attack ensues which remains one of the leading causes of death worldwide. We
2: think of heart attack as a cardiac problem. It's actually more a vascular problem. During myocardial infarction, one or more of the blood vessels that feed the heart muscle get blocked, leading to a decrease or the complete cessation of blood flow to the affected area, leading to ischemia. During ischemia, the heart cells don't really get enough oxygen to produce ADP, which is essential for the heart to contract and pump blood. So in some instances, this lack of blood flow can be reversed surgically by angioplasty and putting on a stand, for example. And if this intervention happens early on during myocardial infarction, the chances that the patient may recover without major damage to the heart are high. If the impaired blood flow lasts long enough, will lead to the death of the heart cells responsible for the heart contraction, called cardiomyocytes, and to the death of the cells that form the blood vessels, the
1: endothelial cells. During and after a heart attack, the body tries to heal itself and prevent worse outcomes, such as cardiac rupture, by producing an intense inflammatory response that recruits immune cells and activates fibroblasts. This attempt at wound healing ultimately leads to scarring of the heart tissue over the following weeks and months. Because scar tissue lacks cardiomyocytes, the heart may not pump blood effectively, resulting in heart failure. Patients with extensive scarring may have no other treatment option other than a heart transplant. So researchers like Sarah Nunez Vasconcelos are exploring new ways to reverse heart muscle scarring. The goal of cardiac stem cell therapies is to remuscularize the heart and restore its ability to contract normally, potentially using reprogrammed, patient-derived cells. Researchers tackling this problem differentiate human-induced pluripotent stem cells into cardiomyocytes, then inject the new cells into the cardiac scar, where they hopefully form a stable graft and integrate with the heart tissue. So far, attempts at this treatment have been disappointing. An estimated 50 to 90% of transplanted cardiomyocytes die in animal models. Scar tissue is an inhospitable environment for the newly injected cardiomyocytes with a stiff texture and few existing cells. There are virtually no blood vessels in scar tissue, which contributes to cardiomyocyte death because to contract and survive, these cells require nutrients and energy. Without vessels to deliver these essentials, tissue regeneration fails. Researchers are working to increase cardiomyocyte retention after injection into scar tissue. One promising approach involves inducing the heat shock protein response by exposing cells to higher temperatures for a short period of time prior to injection. This protein response primes the cardiomyocytes to resist certain stresses, such as a lack of oxygen. While this treatment may temporarily increase their survival in the harsh scar landscape, the cardiomyocyte graft will still die off significantly.
2: Even if they're somewhat successful and they can recruit some blood vessels to support the graft, the time it takes for the vessels to grow and reach the core of these grafts far exceeds the speed of cardiomyocyte death. And at that point, it is too late. In my lab, we're tackling the issue of poor cardiomyocyte survival by promoting vascularization and early blood perfusion within the grafts. Effective vascularization is one of the major bottlenecks in large tissue regeneration. So the strategy we're using is to co-transplant pluripotent stem cell-derived cardiomyocytes with ready-made microvessels that we harvest from adipose tissue or fat to really provide that early support and blood perfusion to the grafts. So we're basically using pieces of microvessels that already exist as the building blocks to form a stable vasculature within cardiac grafts. The only thing left to do once they're transplanted is for these vessels to connect to each other and to the host to carry blood.
1: To harvest the ready-made microvessels, Nunez Vasconcelos' team used scissors to mince rat adipose tissue. After enzymatic digestion and a series of filtration steps, they isolated microvessels that are barely visible to the naked eye and are easily injectable. They modeled myocardial infarction in nude immunocompromised rats by performing open-heart surgery and tying off the left coronary artery. To mirror clinical aspects of human heart attack treatment, the researchers waited two weeks for scar tissue to form in the rat hearts before injecting human stem-cell-derived cardiomyocytes with or without microvessels. To monitor cardiomyocyte persistence after injection, the researchers stained heart tissue, measured the graft area, and identified the transplanted cells and vessels. In some cases, the microvessels came from rats expressing green fluorescent protein, allowing the scientists to visualize glowing green vessels integrating into the existing vasculature. They also assessed the rat's heart function with echocardiography and measurements of cardiac pressure and volume
2: only the hearts that received cardiomyocytes with microvessels were able to reverse heart function loss after ischemia, leading to a true improvement in cardiac function. Only 2% of the total number of the cells in the grafts were from the microvessels, and these then went on to form the bulk of the vessels in the graft, showing high retention, addressing this very key issue in revascularization therapies, which is if you put endothelial cells in, they form vessels, but they will regress. It was surprising to see that such few cells in the form of vessels was able to lead to a six-fold increase in cardiomyocyte survival and a gain of function so significant.
1: Within the grafts, the ready-made microvessels secreted immunomodulatory cytokines that recruit neutrophils and macrophages and improve the connection of vessels from an implanted graft to existing host vessels. Nunes Vasconcelos suggested that the early blood perfusion and cell retention results from the microvessels modulating the immune response to promote healing. Núñez Vasconcelos is expanding her microvessel research to more complex disease models, including diabetes. Her team is repeating the cardiomyocyte microvessel co-injection experiments in diabetic animals with induced cardiac infarction.
2: So a lot of patients that suffer heart failure, they have comorbidities that would significantly affect the outcome of the treatment. People with diabetes are at increased risk of myocardial infarction. It's much harder to revascularize a diabetic patient. They have a lot of issues growing new vessels.
1: Her team is also exploring the use of microvessels to cure type 1 diabetes. Transplantation of islets with insulin-producing beta cells from donor pancreases may help patients with diabetes who can no longer control their blood glucose levels with insulin injections. However, islet transplantation is rare because it is invasive and requires immunosuppressive drugs. Plus there is a lack of donors. Islet transplant is also inefficient, as many islets are lost during the process. Nunes Vasconcelos has found that microvessels support the survival of islets during transplantation, similar to how they support cardiomyocytes. While microvessel support of cell therapies is still far away from application in humans, Nunes Vasconcelos believes that this strategy has great potential for future use in the clinic. Since
2: adipose tissue is dispensable for life, we would envision adipose being harvested via liposuction and used in a personalized way, even curbing the need for immunosuppressants. The unique ability of these vessels to persist and carry blood early on, allowing successful vascularization, warrants further mechanistic studies to uncover what really takes place. Is it the fact that they're already in vessel shape that makes a difference? Is it the particular combination or ratios of the different cell types that makes a difference? It's probably all of the above in some way, but there's a lot that we still do not know and we intend to find out.
0: for listening to The Scientist Speaks. This episode was produced by the Creative Services Team for The Scientist and narrated by Nikki Spotch. Please join us next month as we discuss the surprising link between epigenetics and the origins of allergies. To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.